0: Who's hungry for revival this morning? Amen. All right. Feel a little bit of desperation. If I ask my son, do you want a new bike? And that was the biggest answer I got. Son, you're going to have to wait till Christmas. Now let me ask you again, who's ready for some revival this morning? Hey, there we go. Amen. 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 The book of Acts, second chapter says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, this is the first revival for me that's broken out up to this point. When it was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So what would happen 2,000 years later if we could all get in one accord in this one place? where the only thing we want, the only thing we're hungry for, the only thing we desire is a greater move of Him than we've ever experienced in our entire life. What would happen? Come on, let's focus all together. Let's lift Him up with one voice right now. Jesus, we came for you this morning. I want to be in your presence, Lord. I, I need to hear your voice God, I want to be in your arms, close to your heart, Jesus. I want you to move in this place like every story I've ever read about in your word. God, I want to experience you greater than I've ever experienced you in my whole existence. Lord, I'm asking you to open every window, every door of heaven upon this place this morning and do the work that you want to do. God, we're going to praise you. We're going to magnify you. We're going to bless you. We're going to lift you up and bring you glory and bring you honor. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him right now. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bible, turn with me. Genesis, the 26th chapter. We're going to start with verse number 17. I'm already out of breath. Brother Henry. Might have to sing the solos this morning. I just I got to leave it all out here. Starting with verse seventeen, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again. Say so he did it again. The wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. For just a little while this morning, I'm going to teach. Spring up, old well. Spring up. Amen. You may be seated. Now this event... In the valley of Gerar, in the land of Abimelech, the king of Philistines. Isaac's father, Abraham, had at one time been there, but years later when Isaac comes to this land, he doesn't find it in the same condition that his father had left it in. Abraham and his servants had once dug wells right in this area, but the Philistines came along after Abraham died. They stopped up those wells, filling them with dirt, rocks, trash, anything they could find. Since Isaac's cattle at this point needed water, the Bible says that Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham. Now in the opening of this chapter, chapter 26 in Genesis, we find that a famine has come across this land. It states that this was not the first famine in the land, but that there was another famine that came to this land, this exact same place back in the days of Abraham, Isaac's father. Isaac's first thought, much like everyone else's thought at this time, is to pick up everything he owns and everything he has and go to Egypt, where the ground's fertile, where the ground's ripe for picking. God tells Isaac, no. He says, I want you and your family to stay right here in Gerar. Now, this place, Gerar, was dry, filled with rocks and dirt. I looked up Gerar in the Strongs, and interestingly enough, what it means, circle. As if you're going around and around, over and over. So though others would have picked up and left, God tells Isaac, I want you to stay right here in this situation. Anybody ever reached up to God in a time of need or a time of distress and said, Lord, what do I need to do? It looks like or feels like what I need to do is this. And he says, nope, I want you to stay right where you're at. That's never the answer we want to hear. I never want to be told there's trouble coming to this land, but John, you're going to stay right here in the middle of it with your family. It's not anything anybody wants to hear. So Isaac standing up, and his mind goes back to Egypt. Wow. It's always fertile there. They don't have any trouble growing plants or feeding their flocks. It's funny how when we get the answer that we're not looking for, our first intention is, why don't I just give up and go over here and do what I want to do? Because I see what's happening. So here he is. God says, no, I want you to stay in this famine. I want you to stay where it's dry, and you're going to live right here in the middle, in this circle where it feels like you're just going around and around, dealing with the same old, same old, over and over and over again here in Gerar. But something happens. Others end up struggling in this place and during this time and having a hard time. But the Bible says that Isaac ends up reaping a hundredfold harvest. So in a time when nothing can survive and no one can live, Here's this man who's thriving above everybody else. Now, this prosperity, it generates feelings of envy and feelings of fear amongst the people that's there, of course, because they're looking at the situation going, wait a minute, you're not any better than us. How are you making it through this different than us? It's funny how when the world sees a child of God go through the same problems and the same situations and the same difficulties that everybody on this planet goes through, but they see them walking with their head held high, maybe whistling a tune of praise. When everybody else is just dragging through the mud going, I just don't know how I'm going to get on another day. Somehow his children are just keep on walking. Everything's going to be okay. Joy comes in the morning. Amen? Amen. So as a result of this, King Abimelech tells Isaac, Son, you got to get out of here. You're ticking off my people. I don't know what's going on, but you're going to have to go. Now, Isaac's response is interesting. Considering God tells him to stay, but the king's telling him, you got to go. Rather than leave entirely, Isaac decides to settle his large company in this area just outside of town, in the area known as the Valley of Gerar. His response is difficult. Everything and everyone around him was pressing him to leave or to flee. Everything's telling him the grass is greener over there. What are you doing here? He already isn't sure why he's supposed to be here. And now everyone's mad at him because it isn't as hard on him as it is on everyone else. So now Isaac has two options. One, he can just pack up and go to Egypt and do what he wants to do. Or two, he can go just outside of town in the bottoms. He can go to the valley where all the waste runs down. Where all the trash flows downhill when it rains. Everything else you can imagine flows out of town into this area and through and out. It's the valley. It sure does seem easier for Isaac to just give up, to stop the fight because he's tired, he's exhausted. It's hard for him to see the light at the end of the tunnel because it just got a lot darker now. God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why does it just seem to keep getting rougher and rougher and rougher? But Isaac knows what God said. Isaac's heart and Isaac's thought and Isaac's desire and everything about his life says, if God told me to stay right here, then I don't have another choice. This is where I'm going to be. If he chooses to take me out right here in this place, in this valley, then so be it. Let him do it with my hands raised high because I trust him. So we read in Genesis 26. We continue our reading earlier in 19. It says, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley. They found there a well of springing water the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isak, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And they called the name of it Sitna. Now Isaac begins to be reminded, my father told me about a time in his younger days when he was right here in this very same spot, battling a lot of the very same things that I'm battling with, dealing with a lot of the same issues, much like this one. What did he tell me he did? He told me he began to dig some wells. So Isaac and his men, they begin to start digging down through the rocks. They begin to start digging out through the dirt and through the trash and through the waste and everything that's washed over this place that at one time used to be a place of refuge, at one time used to be a place of strength, at one time used to be a place of hope they begin to dig it out. They're digging down through the rocks, through the dirt, through the trash. They're removing shovel load after shovel load of what the world has allowed to wash into these sources of strength, to block these sources of nourishment and life. And as they're doing this, after they uncover the first, it all of a sudden begins a dispute between Isaac's men and the herdsmen that had been in this area for a long time. So Isaac names it Essek, which means dispute. They end up uncovering a second one. He names it Sitna, which means hostility. So here he is at this point trying to make a way for his family, trying to make a way for everything he's got going on in his life. He's beginning to try to dig out all the trash and all the garbage that's filled up this life-giving substance that he's trying to get to. And as he finds it, Everyone else who's been living in that same situation, and in that same area, hopeless, for so long, comes running up and goes, there it is, and want to have a fight with Isaac about it. They've been hopeless a long time. They've been empty. They got used to living that way. That's the new norm. It hadn't been working out. They're doing everything they can to survive, and they're just getting by And here this man of God comes, and there's a little bit of water. That's mine. I was here longer than you. Let me have it. Isaac could have got mad, but he digs again, fights again. Something different happens on the third hole. 22. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth. Rehoboth means broad and wide. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. You see, all the others had been in this land long before the famine. They lost their hope a long time ago. They got used to the rocks. They got used to the dirt. They got used to the trash. They got used to everything running downhill, ruining their lives. They got used to it, everything just being destroyed. But now they begin to see something different in this man. They begin to see that he walks a little bit different than everybody else, that he doesn't just bow down in despair like everybody else has bowed down, but he's constantly looking up. He's constantly moving forward. They're seeing something different. They said, just being around this man is blessing me. Goes on, verse 23. And he went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him that same night. He said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. And I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. Pay attention right here. And pinched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged a well. You see, God had a plan, He knows what He's doing. We want to try to take what we see or what we feel or how we're experiencing things and start to put our own plan and our own desires and our own ideas down as to this is how I'm going to take care of it. But the problem is, Brother John can't take care of nothing. If he could, who knows? But he can't. But God had a plan. So Isaac digs and finds this massive well, begins to bless everybody that's in this situation with him, where it's dark, where it's uncomfortable. He digs a well. Everything settles down. Everybody's getting blessed, and he decides, I'm going to go up and have a little word with God. I just want to thank him for what he's done for not turning his back on me, for not saying you're going to stay here in this pit and you're going to stay here in this mire and in this famine and I'm done with you. So he goes up, he begins to pray, and God shows up. And this is his calling right here. You see, throughout this process, God was testing him. He said, son, I got a plan for you. I made you for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. Are you going to listen to me? Are you going to be obedient to me or are you going to try to figure it out yourself? He could have went to Egypt. It might have been good there. But in a time of famine, it could have been bad too. For so long, we, what we want to do when things get rough and things get bad and things get dirty and things don't look like we think it should look, our first instinct says, I got to go. This must not be where I'm supposed to be. This must not be what I'm supposed to be doing. Look at all the revival they're having over there. Boy, I could take my kids. They got so much Sunday school stuff going on over there. They got this program over here for me and my family and me and my wife. But folks, those problems travel with you. The problem is not everywhere else. The problem is right here. Starts with me, but God had a plan. If you go to John in the New Testament, the fourth chapter, we read something interesting. Starting with verse three, it says, He left Judea, that He is the Thee, it's Jesus, and departed again into Galilee. And it says, He must needs go through Samaria. He had to. Something was tugging on him. Something was pulling on him. Something was pressing. He just had to go. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, who's Jacob? Jacob is Isaac's son. During the time that we read about in Genesis 26, during that time, Jacob and Esau had already been born. At this point, Jacob had already stolen away Esau's birthright with a pot of stew. So they were aware of what their daddy was doing. Again, here we are. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Jesus, God, robed in flesh, leaves Judea, and it says, because he must needs go through to Samaria. i got some work I've got to do. He says, I have a plan. That I started with a young man over a thousand years ago, and I have to finish it. Now I can't, I can't for sure say that this well that the King of Kings said, I must go to, when he finds himself where he's sitting down, I can't say that that is this one of these exact same wells, but I find it very, very, very interesting that he even names it Jacob's Wells, where he was. He has this young man thousands of years earlier in a place that he doesn't want to be for a specific reason and he doesn't even know why. But he uses this young man to reopen these wells that the world has filled in with their garbage and with their muck, where the enemy has tried to stop this life-giving source this reason to keep moving on, this strength to get through the day. Here we are. Jesus is sitting on Jacob's well. says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. So he's asking, "What any one of us, if we came into the presence of Jesus at this time, the King of Kings is sitting on the well." We notice immediately as we begin to walk up, and our problems and our situations just want to melt away or run and hide because. This man. She asks, why are you asking me for anything? You're so much better than me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve you just having a conversation with me. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? All sitting at this well. She says, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So here it is a thousand years later and this woman's coming to this source of life that One of the old patriarchs dug out to provide this substance, to provide this hope, to provide this life. And here the life giver is sitting on it, saying, Hun, you came for a drink of water, but what I have to give you is far beyond anything you've ever imagined or anything you've ever realized. Jesus, he says, Oh, my daughter. If you only knew. Goes on, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From hence then hast thou that living water. What are you talking about? You're confusing me. She says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And the herdsmen, and their children, and their goats, and their cattle, and their grandchildren, and so on and so forth. says, are you greater? Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water right here is going to thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. God has placed us and for some reason is counting on us. Like Brother Rusty says, sometimes I wish he hadn't trusted me that much. But he says, I've set you in this time for now. I have a plan for you. It may seem like you're in this famine and there's no way out and you don't understand why you're here or why I'm telling you to stay. But son, daughter, I have a plan. I need you to look back on everything you've ever known, everything you've ever experienced, Everything you've ever heard, everything you've ever read, because it's happening. I'm going to need you to start digging the wells again. I'm going to need you to go back and say, you know what? Somewhere along the way, I allowed it to roll down and land up in my well. Somewhere along the way, when the rains come, I got out of the way and just watched the trash begin to fill it all up. Because I was scared because I was un- I don't know what's going on around me when instead I should have been holding a shovel, keeping it empty, where that water can spring up and bless me and bless my family and bless my friends and bless my neighbors. Folks I allowed these situations to come into my life. I began to wonder much like Isaac, If this wasn't the place for me, was I doing the right thing? Was I where I was supposed to go? Because it's just so hard. But God's response was the same. Stay. Okay. I began to question the Lord. Why? Why this? Why that? Why am I alone? Why am I empty? God, I believed it. God, I preached it. God, I've shouted about it. I've prayed for it. I found myself in a bad spot. I began to understand that that well that I would constantly come to wasn't running quite the same as it used to. It was getting a little stagnant. It was getting harder to reach. When at one time I'd approach and it was springing out of the ground and it was easy to get full and it was easy to get strong again and it was easy to keep on moving and say keep on keeping on because he's got it but I got to the point where that wasn't easy no more he began to move on me with this that old song began to start going over in my head spring up oh well Spring up, spring up, oh well, spring up. When I'm thirsty, when I'm dry, I'll raise my hands and cry. Living water, spring up in my soul. Amen. I came in with just that on my heart, and it was uncomfortable. I'm just going to be honest. When you're beat down and you're hurt, And your well ain't running like it should have been running a long time ago when the enemy's on your back. That song right there was just beginning. I know. I know. But it was like he was saying, why ain't you doing it? The well ain't gone. Son, the well is still here. You've just allowed the crud from the world and from these enemies to fill it up where it ain't working quite like it used to. I began to allow Facebook to dictate how I was going to feel that day. I began to allow the news to resonate through my, my head and through my mind about what the future held. I began to turn from that. Lord, do you see what I see? Yes. You sure I can't just go? Nope. What he wanted me to do was get to work. Take the coat off. Mess the hair up. Get a little sweaty. That same old well is still there. That same old power is still there. That same old anointing is still there. It's up to you to get it clean. Amen. So, what I began to do is I began to had to examine myself and say, what have I allowed to get in the way of number one, finances? Amen? Doctor's offices, counselors, depression, Facebook, TV, whatever, news, everything. Everything got more important than that. So that well was filling up very quickly. That well sits in a low spot. So if I allow the rains to come and I do nothing about it and I just stand back, all the muck and all the mire and all the filth and everything washing off of this world is heading towards that well. Because the enemy doesn't want you strong. The enemy doesn't want you anointed. The enemy doesn't want you with full of faith to where like Isaac we're walking through this world like this. What? A civil war? Jesus, have your way. What? We got a lunatic for a president? Lord, touch him. What? We might not have food tomorrow? I look to the hills because that's where my strength come from. I don't count on the government. I don't count on the trucks. I don't count on the job. All I know is he said, if you trust in me, hallelujah, hallelujah, let's all stand. We need these wells to spring up once again. Brother Steed, Wednesday night I came and bowed my head down right here. I began to just thank God that I could still feel him in the midst of it all. You, your wife, whoever come and praying, and it was like I was being pressed into that well. And you keep on pressing, brother. Because then at that moment, I began to realize and began to just start chunking them rocks out and getting that dirt out and just began to remove all the filth and all the muck and everything that I allowed to get in the way of what he wants to do. And when I got there, boom, it was back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, let me tell you, in this time, stale water or just a little water fountain squirt ain't going to cut it. Bible says, if he holds off long enough, even the very elect ain't going to make it. And I am not one of those. So I need that well in full glory. Every single day. Every single moment of every day. Because when I walk into my job tomorrow, there's a different environment there. There's war taking place that wants my soul, and wants everybody's soul. When you show up to work, it's the same thing. When you walk into the grocery store, it's the same thing. War, division. The enemy's trying to take you out because God trusts you in this moment, in this time. Because he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Maybe that plan ends with your kids or their kids. I don't know. I don't know how long I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is he says, stay. Yes, sir. Lord, I don't feel like singing. I've been beat up. You sure these people really want to hear me? Stay. Sir. Brother John's asked me to sing this song about breaking chains. And I'm telling you, my faith is low. But if God wants me to sing about breaking chains, then I'm going to sing about breaking chains like I never have before. Spring up, oh, well, spring up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we got to keep our wells flowing. Right now is the time. There are churches, there are people everywhere looking for what we got. It's pretty obvious. Everybody used to be against the kind of music we played. Now, some people's version of church is just the music we play. They don't want to push on past to the full anointing to when the fire falls from heaven and the preacher's preaching down heaven and we begin to feel conviction in our hearts and in our souls that says, I want to be different. That takes that well springing up that says, just do it, God, just do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's get in one mind in one accord in this one place this morning. And let's watch all those dry bones begin to rattle. Let's, oh, come on. Come on, there's going to be dry souls in here looking for them wells of living water springing from each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Now, who wants revival? Spring up. Oh, well, spring up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's have church.